Over the last couple of weeks, we have been um, in a series uh, about flawed families. And remember, there are no perfect families allowed. Amen? So what does that mean? That means we are welcome. Your preacher has flaws too. Uh, You don't believe me? Ask my children. They'll be glad to tell you where I have failed them. And hopefully, as we talk about what we're talking about today, they'll also be able to tell you where I have been able to encourage them as well. Um, In doing this, we're talking a little bit about parenting today, not a whole lot. We're really talking more about relationships between parents today. Um, Not next week, but the following week, we will be talking about parenting. Uh, I'm telling you that now, just so you know. Now, I realize some of you think that because you have less hair than me, or your hair you've got is whiter than my beard, that maybe you're not parenting anymore, and so you're going to check out. I'm going to tell you, be here. Because grandparents parent too. They not only parent grandparents, but you have influence on your adult children. Your relationship changes. You become more mentor, counselor, than you are the the, the parent who is, is really trying to drive the truth. And you need to make yourself open to your adult children. And keep those lines of communication open from your end. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been talking about and looking at some flawed families within the Bible. And today, I told you this is going to be a teaching series. Well, well, well today, it's going to be less of a sermon and more of a, a Bible survey. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you in a short period of time. You've got plenty of room to take notes. You don't have to look it up. The um, references will be on the screen, so you'll be able to catch them from there. Um, But all families have flaws, and the Word of God has got great wisdom for all of us. Now, what we're going to be talking about today is not rocket science. Okay, but if you take it to heart, it can be more powerful than that. First thing, in our families, we need to seek to understand. First Peter 3, you husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I want you to note something here. I realize there are some women in the room who do not like this verse. Okay? What do you mean we're weak? Some of you are stronger than me. I can tell you that for sure. Remember the context of the day. Context of the day. Who 
held all the power in the home. Who? I heard men. Okay, I'll take that. Specifically, the father. Yes? Even adult children were under the tutelage of the father until they left his home. Yes? Women under the law were treated like what? Yeah, we hate to say it. There's even people today that don't want to admit it. Valuable, but under the law, property. Are you seeing a disparagement of power there? Okay. This is really what Peter's getting at. Fellas, you hold all the cards. She has none of them. Don't take advantage of that. That's really what's meant here. Now, if you want the long dissertation, we can, we can do that some other time. But I don't want you to get distracted by that because I'm not at all going to say anything about men got to be here, women got to be here. That is not gospel. Do you know what gospel is? We're all the same at the foot of the cross. It is salvation in Christ. You Whoever you are, in whatever body God puts you in, your soul is just as valuable to him as mine. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. This is about a power disparity. It's about men humbling themselves. Okay, you with me? There's more to it. We're going to go through it, but I want to get that out of the way to begin with. The thing that gets me here, when you're really looking at this, is it says, husbands, you are directly instructed to understand your wife. Now, I don't know about you, but I find quantum physics easier to understand. Oh. None of you guys are brave enough to give an amen to that one. I, I, I caught that. What does it mean to understand another person? One really good working definition is to make what is important to them important to you. Women tend to be a whole lot better at this than us guys. We lived next door to a, to a young couple, Glenn and Lori, for, gosh, 13 years in Salem. And Lori took up hunting and fishing. I can tell you this, Lori does not love hunting, or fishing. But Lori loves Glenn, who loves hunting and fishing. You hear what I'm saying, guys? We do this with our kids, don't we? How many of y'all, I won't say raise of hands, but but, but I'll see it in your face. How many of y'all have ever gone to a recital or a ball game or a play 
that you honestly did not want to be there. You can get better entertainment reading a book at home. But why did you go? You went because you love your children. To encourage them. To be with them. And if you're lucky, there's going to be a spark of something. That'll be God showing them what they are good at. And where we can come alongside of them and encourage them in the Lord. Gentlemen, when was the last time you did something with or for your wife simply because you love her and you want to encourage her? I don't know who said what, but somebody back there. Oh, leave it to the preacher's wife. You know what she just said? Listen to your own sermon. Yogi Berra, you remember Yogi Berra, right? He he had a way of scrambling words in humorous ways. He has been reported as saying that you could hear an awful lot just by listening. James, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I'll tell you the truth. I don't know any child or any husband or any wife that will be repulsed by a parent or a spouse who was really quick to listen to them. Let's move on. Number two, strive to keep commitments. We should be generous with praise but cautious with promises. Do you know why? Because we all tend to construct our hopes on promises. And children can become discouraged and disheartened and deflated when a parent makes a promise and they don't follow through. I wonder sometimes if those broken promises might have anything to do with why some people have a hard time trusting God. Men and women alike become disillusioned and distrusting and dejected when someone who is promised to death do we part and then acts like that covenant is meaningless. Ecclesiastes. It is better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, let your yes be And your no be, and you remember what else he said? Anything else comes from the evil one. 
What's he saying? If your word is your bond, be careful about what you say you're going to do because you don't want to break your bond. Keeping commitments builds trust. And honestly, there's no such thing as a healthy relationship without trust, right? It is the foundation on what family is built. The word integrity comes to mind, okay? Integrity, in this sense, is keeping your commitments even when it costs you. Three, give respect. Not just because Aretha Franklin sang about it, but because all of us want it, right? In fact, it's nearly impossible to have a deep relationship without respect. Ephesians 5, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Wives, that word that's translated respect can also be translated as honor. But there's something here I need to make clear because sometimes when things are translated, people have to pick words, they have to pick the way a sentence is structured, and it doesn't always give the force of the original language. Here, this sounds like a command, does it not? What makes it a command? Respect. What's the word that comes before it? It sounds like a command, doesn't it? Greek has some parts of speech that are different than us. One of which is in the tense of verbs and the way that they're done. They have a middle voice which is totally absent from English today. And and a passive voice. Uh, And this particular word can be either a middle or a passive. If it's a middle voice, that is typically an action that the actor does on himself or herself. In other words, a decision that they make for themselves to carry out. That's middle voice. Passive voice means that this is something that is the result of a prior action. And it could be either one of these. So if you're actually reading this in Greek, and the wife, middle voice, respect, wives, you need to choose to respect your husbands. It's a choice you make for yourself. If it's passive voice, then what he's saying is the respect that a wife gives is the result of the love and cherishing that comes from their husband. Interesting thought, is it not? And remember, legally, men had all the rights and privileges in that day and time in Jewish society.
But Paul gets radical when he says that men must love their wives as they love themselves. What word do you think is used here for love? It's agape. It's that other-focused, for-the-good of the other person kind of love. Selfless love. And in that day and time, that idea was radical. Because this is a choice that men had to make, and it is a chosen action to place the other person's needs in front of their own, even when that other person had no rights. Now, you guys, you do this. You have at some point in your life. As the years go on, you may have been better at it on some years than others. Just like ladies, there's been some years you honored your husband a lot better than you have in others. Okay? Why? We're all flawed. Amen? Amen. Okay. Not beating on you. I want to encourage you. But this word, this verb, must love is in the imperative command. This is instruction. This is direct. Men, you must love your wives the way you love yourself. And don't I remember that Paul gets to a point of saying, as Christ loved the church? Do we know how Christ loved the church. Here's a good question. Is this still a radical concept today? Men, do you put your wife before your own wants, needs, and desires? How do you think she would answer if I asked her if you do that? Women, do you actively choose to respect, to honor your husbands? How would he react if I asked him if you do that? You see, it's a circle. This love and respect. Loving produces respect. Respect produces loving. Following me? For one to happen, the other must happen. So Paul's very clearly saying, husbands, cherish your wife so that she can honor and respect you. And ladies, Honor, respect your husband so he will cherish you. In fact, Paul starts this whole section in Ephesians saying just that. At verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. By the way, that word submit 
its middle voice. All of us need to choose to submit to each other. It's not a command. It is an attitude. And it's a chosen act. The circle of respect is meant to be a mutual thing. First Peter 3, 7, we read this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with, oh my gosh, it's the same word that he used for wives to tell, do to their husbands. Respect as the weaker partner, as the heirs with you of the grace, the gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now hold on a second, Eric. Are you telling me I've got to respect my wife or God won't hear my prayers? No, I'm not telling you that at all. I'm not. That is not what I'm saying. That is exactly what Peter is saying. I'm just the messenger. And I'd like to go home in one piece when the day is over. Again, this be submissive is not an imperative, okay? It's a willing submission because the wife believes. Wait, hold on. I'm on the next one. The phrase, in the same way. Let me go back to that. In the same way. Here we go. Peter, first three, one. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe uh, the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Okay? That is a passive voice. It's a willing submission because a believing wife Wives, are there times when you're at a different place spiritually than your husband? Joy, keep your mouth shut. (laughs) If you talk to me much, I'll tell you about my wife, there's lots of times she's really much more spiritual than I am. And in fact, sometime when we've got time to do the long story, I'll tell you how she has been part of my salvation and bringing me back to God. We know in our own household how a believing wife and the way she chooses to interact with her husband can affect his eternity. Wives, you have a lot more influence on your husbands than you realize. But in the same way, what is, what is that referring to? Well, Peter started talking about submission not at the beginning of chapter 3 as we call it, but actually back in chapter 2, 
around verse 13. He first says, you submit to the government because governing bodies have been put there by God, which is interesting when you think about some are good and some are not, or some are better than others. Yes? But don't forget, God used Nebuchadnezzar in order to teach Israel about himself. Yes? He can use governments that are not, that, that dishonor him, that are evil. 2.13, submit to government, then to your earthly masters, and then he gives a reason in First Peter 2.21, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. By the way, does that sound familiar? He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Does that sound familiar? Isaiah 53, 9, we talked about it last week. Okay. Important passage of scripture. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been Healed. Isaiah 53 is all over this, right? Four, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have been returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Do you know what the very next verse is after this? The very next sentence that Paul wrote was this, wives, In the same way, be submissive, submit yourself to your husbands. And a couple of sentences later, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. So what's the benchmark? Is it whether or not he or she treats you well? Is that the benchmark? Or is the benchmark this is important. I am not saying stay in an abusive situation where your life is at risk. I'm not saying that. But scripture teaches us our attitude towards our mate, towards our family matters. And it can be an eternal, eternal thing.
this in the same way as Christ submitted himself to the Father for one purpose. It's to save us. So this is not give respect in order to get respect, but give respect because Christ has already given himself for us. Is that a radical thought to how life is lived in your home? How would your home life change today if the Christians in your family lived this way? We all inherit flaws, family flaws. Yet I believe we can follow Peter and Paul's advice and act like Christ to each other and overcome those flaws and hopefully stop passing them down. Remember, in humbling yourself and taking on the form of the servant, you are taking on a Christ-like attitude. And that is the definition of practical Christianity. Four. Ask for and offer forgiveness. Anyone who lives in a family of any kind knows that people will disappoint you and hurt you. I was reading uh, an article one place where uh, a a woman who'd been married for 54 years was asked the question, what's the secret to a happy marriage? And her answer there was, overlook a lot of little things and forgive each other. Paul in Colossians writes this, he says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against each other. Forgive as... The Lord forgave you. Offering forgiveness is a selfless act, and therefore it is not natural. Asking for forgiveness is a humbling act, and therefore it is not natural. But Peter and Paul They're not appealing to us based on human nature. They're not appealing to us based on emotion. Their appeal is based in the love of the Father who in his love became flesh and dwelt among us to show us his way and in his love paid the price for our sin on the cross while we were still his enemies. In other words, their appeal is in remembering what has already been done for us. So one last final tip. If we're going to work through and avoid our family flaws, we have to commit 
to practicing grace. Remember the grace that is yours in Christ, and like Christ, extend that grace to your family. Father God, we know that in your love and your grace, you pardon our sins when we are willing to give up ourselves and turn them over to you, relying on the cross of Christ and giving him undisputed possession of everything we are. We know, Father, that you have given us that picture of grace. You have given us and shown us that example. And, Father, you know that the hardest people to really be around are the ones that know us the best. The ones who we think have to accept all of our flaws, so we show them. But may we, Father, live above our flaws in light of the Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit. May we not be stumbling blocks for those who come behind. But may we be a stepping stone towards eternity in your arms. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.